Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the show. Right here. It's episode 620 of the show. I'm your host, Andrew. And in this episode, I speak with Khalif Adams. He is the founder of Spawn On Me. We talk a lot about personal branding and his journey. And definitely this conversation was absolutely, absolutely amazing. So originally we recorded this on G Media and I'm repurposing it here. So if you didn't check out that conversation on G Media, I'm making it available for you here. I think there's a lot of wisdom in this conversation. So definitely thank you, Khalif Adams, for just coming through and just being yourself and sharing so much knowledge with the community. I appreciate that and enjoy. What's up, What's my up, bro? Man? <laughs> What's Damn, up? How are you? Thank you so very much for, for having me uh, come through and, and rocking with you. This is brilliant. I, I continue to love everything that you do in the space. I swear, man, every time I see, you know, you're doing new things, I'm always just like uh, astounded and amazed at just how far your reach has gotten and, and, and how beautiful it's been to see you kind of continue to move in these spaces. So, you know, thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for, for letting me rock with you and the rest of the team. And then excited to be here to talk about my experiences and all that kind of good stuff right there. Absolutely, man. Yeah, I definitely wanted to, you know, I think these, these spaces are great, right? Because it's really a conversation between, and this one in context with friends, definitely uh, share the room if you're here, um, because we, we definitely want to catch up on, you know, things, you know, with, you know, family and business and things of that nature. But there's a, there's a lot of conversations that we have behind the scenes that we don't, te- you know, necessarily have up front, right? Because uh, the framework is, um, number one, is it anybody's business? What I'm going through, depending on the context of those conversations, right? Um, but at the same time, those things are inspiring to individuals who are coming on the scene. But uh, the first half, you know, if you will, what I wanted to really focus on is, you know, definitely, as, as I shared with you, definitely praying for your wife as well. But I really wanted to focus on, you know, your journey, you know, like let's let's just chop it up the first few minutes about, you know, how did you get to be who you are? Right. Before we got into the gaming industry. So let's chop that up a little bit and then we'll talk about the gaming stuff a little bit later. Well, my mama and my papa. No, I'm just playing. Uh, (laughs) For sure. For sure. They met (laughs) over some Hennessy and a 40 uh, many, many years ago back in New York. I'm from the Bronx originally. Uh, was was born and raised in New York. Uh, moved out to Portland, Oregon about seven years ago or so. Um, started uh, my journey into the video game industry. Probably, if you really want to think about it, since I was like four. You know, it was the first game that I ever played was on an Atari twenty six hundred. You know, old school, old school stuff in that in that mix in terms of the gaming space. Um, fast forward to about, you know, 20 something years later, I was working at, uh, one of the municipal unions in New York, uh, DC 37, uh, as an IT guy, uh, and was sitting at my desk one day and was feeling really, really bad about myself. I was like, man, I, I feel like I'm a smart person. I feel like I'm intelligent and I think I can, I'm crafty enough to kind of maneuver across a bunch of different spaces, but I just don't feel smart. I'm kind of sitting here and teaching people how to use computers who um, don't really care about the, the the work that I do. And I wasn't feeling really good about myself. And I was like, how do you talk about video games in a way that feels smart, um, feels comprehensive, um, and also showcases, you know, us in the space? There weren't a lot of people in the video game industry that looked like me at that point. There were probably two. It was Will O'Neill who was doing work over at uh, G4 at that point. He was doing Attack of the Shell, really 
early in the day in the first version of G4, and there was Engai Kroll, uh, who went uh, to, uh, who was doing game trailers at that point with Jeff Keighley uh, on, 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 was it Spike? It wasn't Spike. It was on, I forgot what channel it was on, but it was, uh, you know, he was working with Keighley back then. He went on later to um, make a fantastic uh, consultancy firm called Hit Detection uh, that he most recently left uh, to go work on another project. Um, I was sitting there at my desk and I was like, yo, I want to do something. So I started to write. I made a, a blog called the Spawn Point blog uh, that did uh, did okay. Um, it didn't do super well because, I was one, I'm not a trained writer. Um, I'm just a dude with some thoughts um, and knew how to, to, to work a WordPress uh, website. And um, it grew once we had a, a really great hit. So a game came out called Sound Shapes. And it was a game that initially came out on the Vita. Uh, and then grew into something that was then on PS3. Um, and they were doing this really cool thing where they would, it was a, one of the first games where user-generated content was was a thing. So people were making music within this game and these puzzles and these levels, and I was, like, just a huge fan of it because I'm a big music fan, big hip-hop fan, um, and was just enamored with the, the way that the people were making content here. You know, I was a... a a child of the PS2 MTV music generator on PlayStation 2 um, and was like, how are people making music in this thing? What is this? Let's let's interview some of the folks who are in that space and talk to them about what they're making. Um, and it went so well that the PlayStation blog, the old PlayStation blog, reached out to me and was like, hey, we were going to do some work in this space would you mind us basically just running your articles and your interviews on the PlayStation blog um, for our game sound shapes? And let's talk about that uh, and do that every week. So that was like a huge thing for me as a person who, again, wasn't really in the industry proper. I was trying to figure out good ways to get in. Um, it was the first cosign that I got from a major gaming company in Sony um, saying, hey, we want to do this work alongside you. Um, move fast forward a couple of years later. Uh, the blog folds because no one wants to read long form content for me. Uh, and I was like, all right, fine. So I'm, I'm done writing. I'm not going to write anymore. I'm just, I'm going to figure out a new way to do this content. And podcasting was always a part of the equation for me. Podcasting was a thing that I'd been listening to for a long time. I was listening to folks like Game Attack Radio, listening to folks like the one up show, listening to folks like um, giant bomb in, in all of those places, kind of the, the, the spaces that you usually think of when you think about really fantastic um, podcasting content and it was like this is dope but there isn't a lot of spaces where again we see folks who look like me folks who are from underrepresented communities folks who are black what is the conversation that's coming from the black gaming perspective that no one is talking about and then started that up and it was uh, alongside a you know one of the co-founders of spawn on me which is the show that i can uh, continue to run we're almost in year 10 of our of our show congratulations um, man Thank you, fam. It's a long, it's a long haul, as you know, from running the show, you know, you, you're doing a lot of work for a long period of time as well. Uh, and I was playing some 2k, uh, on my Xbox and this cat named Cicero Holmes, uh, out of shy town, uh, jumped in the chat when I was streaming on Twitch and was like, Hey, I've been dying to write. Would you want to, would you look for another writer? And I was like, well, you know, we're not really writing anymore. We're starting to think about doing a podcast. Would you want to be my co-host? And we sat on the, we sat on the phone for like an hour and just chopped it up and we had really great rapport um prior to that i had done a show on google plus that a lot of people don't know uh called character select 
uh, so it was like a panel show uh, with uh, a, uh, with a bunch of folks. It was like seven people deep on that show, um, and we wind up um, folding that. Uh, but I had a person in mind who was on that show, who then later became one of our our, our second co-host, our second chair, in Sharif Jackson. Um, who, who continues to be brilliant and doing a lot of dope stuff with, with the rivals of Waterdeep and since we're doing a lot of uh, podcasting stuff now and the um, space uh, with his with his uh, panel show and and uh, uh, debate show uh, that he's been doing so we decided to, to gather up forces and we worked doing that for about five or six years so maybe seven or eight actually um, and then we wanted splitting ways um uh, there was just some differences in terms of, you know, how we wanted to kind of maneuver the show and how do you get it to be bigger and, and those things. And now I'm, I'm, I'm doing the show solo. I've been doing the show solo for a couple of years now. Um, and it's been great. Like we've, we've been featured in everything from black enterprise to Forbes to uh, academia, where some of our work has been put into, um, you know, a uh, work that, that college kids are reading and, and the syllabuses and, and stuff like that in terms of what gaming and, and, and the black experience has been. And I've been featured on, on the front page of Twitch m- multiple times. You know, we were lucky enough to be doing a lot of stuff with them in terms of the Black History Month movement, uh, so much so that they put me on a billboard in Times Square in my hometown, uh, which, which was fantastic and just a bucket list kind of thing. Um, I was featured in the Game Awards as a global gaming citizen and, and also one of their first um, uh, 50 ambassadors for, for the Game Awards and that kind of stuff. So it's been it's been pretty brilliant in terms of kind of being able to figure out what the niche was that needed, needed a voice, uh, figure out how to, alongside that, grow a business and start doing that kind of work, which, again, I'm not – I don't think most – entrepreneurs are classically trained and, you know, you don't have to go to Wharton uh, to, to, to make a business and to start a business, but to be successful, you need a bunch of different things to kind of align alongside hard work and hustle and luck and good people behind you, pushing you and good friends and, and, and family kind of giving you that space to learn. Um, and it's just been so cool to, to be able to, to, to now be, hopefully I think, respected in the space and a, and a person who um, has kind of grown something out of nothing into something that is hopefully long lasting and has made a, 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 an ability to kind of plant a flag um, in a video game space that, that, that continues to try to figure out how to speak to underrepresented communities and people of color and especially black folk and especially mm-hmm. around cultural issues and things like that. So all of those things combined are, are how I got here. And, and now I get a chance to share some of that goodness with all of y'all and, and the work that I get a chance to do. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So definitely, if you're here uh, for the first time, definitely uh, ping the room, share the room uh, with your friends, and share it on Twitter uh, for sure. So, so typically, I do the inspiration uh, part at the beginning because um, even though many individuals who'll be coming in here may have heard sections, you know, uh, of your story before, I think uh, before mm-hmm. you're because you're here for the first time with G Media, I definitely wanted to to share that uh, a little bit, and I definitely want to you know, shares a bit more about that as well. Like uh, forging the person you are today. Uh, can you talk about the inspirations and the uh, obstacles that took place in your life to get here? Oh, wow. Um, so I'm a, I'm a child of two drug addicted parents. My mom and, and dad uh, both were, grew up in the, the kind of 80s crack epidemic um, of, of New York. 
Um, I actually didn't know my parents very, very well. My grandma raised me since I was basically born. Um, my mom, I met basically twice throughout my life. Once when she was, um, she came over to our, our family home in the Bronx and was kind of strung out, was asking for money. The second time I saw her was when she was um, incapacitated on a ventilator. Um, and then later on, we had a relationship, but we never really were close. She, she, she had gotten herself um, sober. She had worked through some of her demons. Um, she, 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 she had another brother. Uh, she had a child. She, so I have a, a couple of half brothers. And we and we started to to build some relationship there, but we never really fully got it to, to the space you would hope when it comes to like a really good mom and, and and kid relationship. My dad was always in jail. I didn't even know he was he existed until I found that I had half sisters, and my half sisters let me know that he was around. Um, so he was he was also very very absent. But my grandma was the person who actually gave me video games to to kind of keep me safe in the in the 80s bronx you know she was like you know you can't go outside because there's, there's a lot of wild stuff going on out there but you know i know you have this like for these new things called video games let me give you that and that's the way that you know those layers kind of came together i'm a college dropout um left school after a couple of years because i was just not really interested in what they were trying to teach me um and and it wanted to be becoming something where i was always trying to figure out like how do I connect to a thing that I love while also not doing it in the kind of classic ways. Um, it's always been a struggle to kind of figure out where I get in, where I fit in. Um, but I did find out in my early college days that I had a love of talking to people and I had a real curiosity of um, learning about why people do what they do. I, I think the thing that I tell people all the time about the video game industry is that we have a lot of people who continue to kind of poo-poo on the space and they're negative and toxic about what, what they are from the kind of player perspective. But if you really think about this industry, this is one of the only industries where everyone who is in it is trying to bring people joy. Media is, media is a space in which everyone who gets into it is trying to make you feel a thing. And my job in that is to kind of convey and be a conduit for the stories that people talk about so that you get an understanding of why they're doing this thing, right? Like most people could be spending all of their hard-earned time away from their families and, 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 and people who are building, you know, everything from level designers to musicians to all that stuff to get you to feel a thing. And I'm like, you're all brilliant. Why would you do this opposed to any other kind of field in the world? Um, and I think that's kind of the crux of Spawn on me is like, how do we talk about showcasing the stories of people, especially underrepresented folks, um, in a way that talks to why they do what they do and why they spend the time on this earth and bringing and trying to bring joy to people who oftentimes don't reflect that joy back to them. Um, so I think, you know, all of those things in, in, in combination are, are a part of my story of, you know, growing up in New York, feeling despondent about all that stuff, not having parents in that conversation, but having video games be the thing that has kept me safe uh, for many, many decades at this point. Yeah, for sure. I definitely relate to that. I, you know, I'll go back to the 80s, you know, just um, getting the Nintendo for the first time and then just, you know, traveling through some of the systems that we've enjoyed over the years, whether that's, you know, Sony or, you know, Sega Saturn, Genesis, Super Nintendo, et cetera, et cetera. We can go down the list of that stuff, but uh, I definitely want to leave uh, some time for question at the end. 
Uh, but what I do ask, if um, if you do not mind being recorded, then definitely come up and, you know, ask your questions to Khalif, you know, Mr. Um, entrepreneur, you know, host, content creator. I mean, brilliant in, in every way. And I just appreciated just um, watching his journey and the last, you know, 10 plus years, just knowing him and, you know, knowing some of the struggles as well. But it's very tough to be. And I, I think we could actually do a segue on that, you know, black and a content creator, especially in this space. Now, it's it's very tough being black, period, depending on. Uh, <laughs> right? And I think we have to be honest about that. And if what I just said made you uncomfortable, then that may be time for you to, you know, consider if you're going to make an exit out of this room or, or just hang out for a little bit longer. I um, want you to say I want you to say so you can hear it. Yeah, I'm just saying, saying like, it, so it's tough, bro. It, it's tough because um, it's like there are things that people get away with that we could never get away with. Right. And we could be yep. as polished as possible, as educated as possible, as well read as possible. And speaking well is not necessarily a, a compliment unless the person struggled with English growing up and then they got better at it. Right. So, so there's all those things, right. There's all those things. So then, so how, how have you navigated, um, those things? You know, we can jump into that since you, you shared your uh, story and I appreciate you sharing, uh, those bits and pieces of it as well. The beauty of being black in any media space and especially the gaming space, because this is the thing I've, I've, I've been, Fortunate enough, you know, you, you heard a little bit about the kind of backstory, but I've been fortunate enough through all of those things to work at Amazon, Intel, and Riot, Riot Games, and now mm-hmm. working, working at another company uh, that's in a gaming space. And I remember very, very specifically, I had this conversation with a young gentleman who we had seen in orientation when I was working at Intel. I was working in the VR and AR space. And he said, Ka, he's like, yo, you know, I appreciate you. I understand where you're coming from. He was like, every room that I go into, I feel like I'm the one black dude that people keep looking at. Mm. And I was like, what do you mean? And he was like, well, I keep getting these eyes on me whenever I say anything or have an opinion that I, that I, that I voice out loud. And he was like, yo, I feel like I need to get up out of here because I don't like the way that people are perceiving me and looking at me and, and kind of giving me these, these, these kind of side eyes about like you kind of don't belong here in these conversations and i was like here's here's my advice to you and i think this is the thing that i you know speaking about what is it like to be black in in these spaces every experience that i've ever had within this space from being a human being on this planet and, and everything that connects to my blackness in that way gives me a unique perspective that no one else in most rooms has and I think that that is the thing that has led me to some of my success, not only with Spawn on Me, but Spawnies, uh, the award show we've been doing, but to, to why I've stayed relevant in any of the spaces that I've, that I've continued to be in. There are very few people, sadly, because there just aren't a lot of us in a lot of these spaces, but I have an experience that I just can convey to other people in a way that they don't understand, and that brings me value. That makes me valuable in every room that I walk into. So when it comes to the video game space, I have a, a ability to say, hey, person who is building this game, you are missing in a, in, in a perspective of all of these folks you are not addressing. And I think those parts of the conversation build out, you know, why we can do a show like A Lesson in Blackness that we did a couple of years ago that turned the video game industry on its head, right? Or how do we talk about the the... The, yeah, the before, that before you go on, before you go on, share, yeah. share a couple of thoughts that came out of that. 
Well, the gentleman came up and he was like, he had this like epiphany moment and he was like, oh shit. And he was like, huh. I didn't think about that in that way. And I was like, you got to understand. I was like, the thing that you will continuously do wherever you go is yes, you're going to have people look at you in a way where you're going to be like, you don't belong here. Right. That has just been our experiences as black people in every way that we go for most of the places that we haven't owned and hasn't been, you know, relegated and, and delegated and kind of built by us. Right. But you get to then flip that on its head. And again, there's different ways that that goes in that way of like, you know, you will get the, Hey, you speak so well. That's great. That you're so eloquent. I was like, yeah, I read. <laughs> I went to school. I know, I know what those things mean. It's not like I'm dumb. But he didn't have that moment because he was he was a little bit younger as well. And I was like, look, you bring value everywhere you go because of your blackness. Your blackness is not a detriment. Your blackness is something that you can leverage in a way that makes sense because you have those expectations, you have those experiences, and you can, again, speak to a space in a way that will bring perspectives that most of the people who you are in that room with will never have. And they can't have it. That's also the layer of it. They can't have it because they are not you. And they are not your experiences. You have to be humble within that space. And you have to understand that your experiences are not universal because mm-hmm. we as black people are not a monolith. But there are some through lines in terms of what it means to be a black American working in North America, working in America. And some of the things that you have as experiences, again, that changes the, if you're from international uh, waters, if you come from other countries, those experiences don't, may not necessarily translate. But even within that, blackness has some through lines that, that definitely touch and speak to very different ways than, than, excuse me, than, than other people might have. Mm-hmm. So I think that's an important thing to, 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 to remember if you're having those struggles, if you're thinking about what do you do in terms of bringing value? Um, the spaces that you may not necessarily occupy or new spaces that, that don't really mess with us in the ways that we usually pay attention to. So, so is it, um, so I'm just thinking about this and this could be a very ignorant question, but I'm I'm thinking about it in real time. Okay. So, so when it comes to other places where, where blacks are represented, um, by, you know, continent or whatever it is, right. So is it, is it a targeted thing or is it more so lack of educational thing? Uh, uh, can you rephrase like uh, you mean like is it targeted from the people who are potentially ignorant about your your background correct or well that's a good question I think it depends on your outlook about life and I think the, one of the conversations and in, in this again this is where for me the rubber hits the road right where I don't I don't, I have an expectation for people who are not of my background and of my, my ethnic background or of my culture. There is no excuse for you not to understand some of the things that our people have gone through. There just isn't an excuse. There's enough internet to go around for everyone. There are enough books for you to understand most of the things that, that have been in terms of our particular plight. That being said, under the conversation again of like, are we a monolith or not? We know that we're not. So that changes the, the individual layers of that conversation to one in which if you're curious, you should be trying to find out about the individual, seeing how the, the, the cultural connectivity then, you know, leads into some of that stuff, but you can't assume, mm. right? So you can't be like, oh, so you, you, you're from the Bronx, so you must have grew up poor. And I was like, no, I was pretty middle class. Like my, like, my my grandma raised me. She was dirt poor, and when I saw her, when when she passed away, I saw how much money she made, 
And I was like, how the hell did you raise like four kids on this small amount of money? But we would have never thought that we were broke. We would never thought that we were poor. Right. So it's like, there's a conversation there about like, how do you perceive, you know, what your, your cultural, you know, connectivity is, how do you, how do you profess that? How do you talk about that in, in bigger ways? But I think, for the people who are not within that space and they, they they will attach that stuff, usually there's a level of ignorance that comes along that because if you really think about it, folks who don't live in, in our shoes and, and who, who are part of our culture, they don't have to interact with our culture unless they want to. I remember there was a very, very specific moment that I remember I was, I was dating. I was in the beginning parts of my relationship with my wife and, and we were hanging out at this, at this beach uh, called LBI on the East Coast. Right, so uh, we were just hanging out. We were going. We were rocking, and we spent like the first half of a day. And I didn't see any black people here. I was like, "Yo, there's no black folks out here. What in the hell?" It was like we're on the the periphery of New York City proper. And I was like, "Yo, there's no black people out here." And I can count on one hand how many black folks I saw during that weekend. And it really dawned on me in that moment. I was like, "Oh, if white people don't want to be around black people, they don't have to." They can mm. find spaces to not do that work, right? That is not a thing that I can say as a black human being on the planet, right? If I decided that I wanted to be in a space where, where I didn't have to see or be around people who didn't look like me, it was very, it was very hard to do that as that person, right? So I think that changed my, my perspective of like, there's a layer there of I can choose to say, with the work that I do and who I am as a human being that I will play the, like, I am not your mule card, mm-hmm. which is reasonable. You know, there's a lot of people who are like, yo, I'm on the internet all the time. I get asked all the questions about who I am and my individuality and my ethnicity and all the things that go along with that. I don't want to do that work because again, the internet is free and you can go find it or you can be a mix, right? Like I, I choose to be a mix where I'm like to make things better for the spaces that I can that I can affect, I will do the work of being a bridge for people who may not necessarily come to a conversation in the best of faith, right? I think there's a level of ignorance that, yes, I will not engage with. Mm. But if you come into a conversation with actual curiosity, I will spend the time to tell you what I know, not only from a business perspective, but from a cultural one. And I think that that's the way you wind up getting into better spaces because people are taking the time to do some of that work. Yes. I will fully say the burden is on the person who is in those underserved communities to do that work. Right. But that's a thing that I personally will take on because I've seen it work in different fat, different conversations of that one-to-one conversation, that intimate uh, layer of, of learning and teaching has helped, people get across different layers of ignorance or, 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 or knowledge gap in a way that has helped them kind of move into a better ally space. That's not for everybody, but that's, that's the way I choose to, to, to do some of this work. It's not for everybody. And that's the way you choose to do that. Okay. So, so I'm thinking you mentioned the bridge. So um, in, from me observing, you know, many individuals, and I think that's what we tend to do at times uh, in this space, um, you've been doing the bridge thing for a very, very long time. And I think that individuals will say that the bridge is you selling out, right? Instead of understanding, right, right? Instead of understanding, well, what you're really doing is educating yourself so you can educate others on how to do the bridge properly. Can you talk about that? 
Well, I think it really comes down to what your, like, ethos is, right? Like, what is your North Star for your life? I didn't have that language until I started working in, in corporate spaces. But I, I learned later on that I was like, look, the thing that my content can do, the thing that my being can do is to say, I will not put on airs and I will humble myself into a space where I will say, I will let you prove me wrong first. I will come into most conversations and most interactions on good faith and say, I will, I will give you enough rope to, to hang yourself. And once you do, you have then told me who you are as a human being. I will not go into most interactions, though, assuming that you intend to, to bring me ill will. I understand to a certain extent that that is a very privileged perspective. But I also understand that that conversation is the way that I would much rather live my life than have my walls up all the time. Because I've seen people who have their walls up all the time, and one, they're not happy. Two, they don't bring a lot of great perspective. Three, they shut themselves off from opportunities. And four, they wind up infecting other people with that kind of idea, and it winds up making everyone around them sad. And I've chosen this life as a person who didn't make, didn't think he was going to make it past the age of 25 to celebrate every day that I get. And I want to be a conduit for good. And I want to be a conduit for help. And I want to be a conduit for knowledge and growth and, and, and lifting up not only my people, but the people who rock with me and, and want to make the world a little bit better with the, with the stuff that they do. Mm-hmm. So those are those are choices and i think that that's a thing i remember going to couples therapy with my wife very like in the middle of our 10 year because we just made our 10th year anniversary this year congrats man and we thank you we were not seeing eye to eye and we were like yo we got to go to couples therapy because we want to we want to stick this out and one of the things our therapist gave us was a phrase and that phrase was you chose this and that has been one of the most powerful phrases I have heard in my life. And it is, is a sticky note that sticks on every monitor that I have wherever I'm working and where I am. Because when I get upset, when I get mad, when I, when I get worried about, oh, I don't want to make content today. Oh, the show is not doing as well as I thought it would be. Oh, man, this, making this award show was really, really hard. I didn't see all these barriers and all this stuff. Oh, I'm not getting the love that I should get from the industry. Every day that I look at that note, I'm like, you chose this. I was like, oh, okay. This is no one's fault but my own. (laughs) Every every day I get a chance to, every day I can say, I don't ever want to do this again and I can make that happen. But I choose to not do that work. I choose to say, I will will do this work. So you chose this has been my mantra for a very long time now. And it's, it's weeded out people who aren't as passionate as I am. It is weeded out the ability to say who I want to work with and who I don't. And it has weeded out good opportunities versus bad opportunities. Because when I say I chose this, I have no one else to blame but myself because I've started that process for me. And that has been amazingly empowering to be able to say that out loud. So yeah, that's the way I, I just work with that stuff. I just wrote it down, man. I'm like, man. You I'm thinking like, <laughs> yeah, I'm looking at it right because now. I just wrote it you down. You can't blame people. You can't blame right. people at that point, right? You're like, yo. So here's the thing that you did, right? Because mm. one of the things that I see all, all the time is like people get mad about circumstances that they put themselves in. Like 
I see a lot of people in the industry who will poke the bear and then get mad at the bear and bit them. And I'm like, you chose that. You made a decision to move in a direction the the world has done what it's supposed to do, which is react to the thing that you wanted to re- that you wanted a reaction to. And you didn't put your mind in a good space to understand the reaction that you were going to get. And then you got mad. I'm really mad about stuff that happens in the world anymore. Mm. I am, I am passionate about the things that I get a chance to, to, to have a hand on. I am mad at the way that we see systems work against not only people of color, but people who are in marginalized spaces. I am upset about the way things are working, but I'm not mad at them because I have a feeling that like some of those things are, mountains that I can move and I have influence in those spaces and some of them I just don't. It doesn't mean that I'm complacent. It means that I can lift a flag, I can plant a flag, I can amplify other people so they can do the work that they want to do. But I am less mad these days because I understand the circles of influence that I have and every choice that I make is one that I have chosen. Mm -hmm. So I don't get to say, oh, I made that decision and now I'm mad at that decision. I was like, yo, you got up and you made that decision, fam. Like, you did that. Right? So it makes me hold people to a different standard because there are people who, in this world who don't want to deal with the fact that they made choices. And those choices are ones that you could have totally not made. <laughs> but you chose that. You chose that method. So I think that's the thing I want people to kind of, like, take into their hearts, minds, and souls. It's like, you get a chance every day to make choices, to be upset, you get the chance to make choices to be happy. Again, uh, this is this is a again. If you're not if you're not clinically depressed, if you're not going through uh, mental health issues, if you're not going through some of that stuff, if you're not potentially in a dis- in a disabled community, there are, there are spaces within all of this spectrum to find good spaces in which you can feel the things that you want to feel and own those feelings, own those movements, own those expressions. I don't want people to feel like they are helpless all the time because that is the thing that the internet tells you all the time is that you are helpless and you have no options here. And I don't believe that. Mm, mm. I totally don't believe that. Yeah. So, man, there's so much there. So you chose this. Uh, I don't, oh, man. Okay. So let's talk about, you know, in the same vein here, uh, mm. draft, drafted tweets, right? That never made it, mm. right? Yeah. <laughs> okay okay so we can talk about that <laughs> right. so we can talk about that and well let's talk about that first drafted tweets that never made it and we can also talk about the tweets that did make it and they're still somewhat provocative right depending on who's reading it can you touch on that a little yeah. bit i mean the the blessing and the curse of all this work is like we live in a space where everyone is in their fields and we live in a space where everyone wants to be loud and wrong. Mm. Being loud and wrong isn't fun. Like I, I, I pride myself, like, look, there has been many, many tweets over the years. I, I, I've never said anything that was like super wild out. Like, like ratchet is, is all ratchet gets. Like, I don't think I've ever had some like, oh, die in a fire tweet. Like, I don't think I've had any of those in my life over the God, 13 years I've been on Twitter. I'm sure somebody will probably go through my tweets now and be like, you remember that time you said that thing? And I'm like, yeah, I don't remember that. I was fired. (laughs) (laughs) But I think when it comes to like, what's in the drafts versus what makes it out of the drafts, like I I, I just want to be kind. Like, I, I think 
what I've learned once I've started to run a company and to run a personal brand is that the thing that brings people to your content isn't necessarily your content. They're coming to it because of the personality and the person that you are putting out into the world. The thing that I love and appreciate about the work that I get a chance to do is that I am me in every form or fashion that you see me online. I am a petty human being when I, when I, when I, when I'm in my petty bag, but I try not to share that because it doesn't do anything for the world. But for the most part, the thing that I love about what I kind of get to share is that you get to see a full 360 of who I am as a human being. If you really pay attention to who I am online, I've had to mm. pull some of that stuff down. Like you won't see my thirsty tweets because I don't put thirsty <laughs> tweets on the timeline no more. Okay. Um, as much as I want to, uh, you know, I'm a human being. There's some fine people on this planet. And I'm like, I can't say nothing because people misconstrue things now in a way that makes you, makes you have to double think that. But mm-hmm. the thing that I love is that I, I am learning every day to be my truest self in the spaces that I occupy. And that's beautiful. I love the fact that you will go and you'll see me talk about, I was talking about soup today and about how much I don't like soup. And somebody, I'm sure at some point, will send me a mean, nasty tweet and be like, yo, Kyle, how are you anti-suit? And I'm like, yo, shut the hell up. <laughs> I'm like, yo, I'm allowed to do that kind of work. If it's not hurting anyone, I care about that a lot. I care about, is the thing that I'm saying hurtful? Is the thing that I'm saying, can it be misconstrued as being hurtful? I have pulled down more tweets because of the ability for people to understand or or mis- or or feel like it is a, a hurtful thing as opposed to a helpful thing. Mm. I am not, um, uh, I am humble enough to say, oh, this thing came out wrong. It was hurtful. Even if I feel like the, 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 the conversation was maybe a little bit too sensitive, there is nothing wrong with pulling down a thought that hits the wrong way. You lose nothing by doing that. People will, people will misconstrue that as, oh, well, you're a flip-flopper or, oh, you aren't saying things with your chest. Sometimes the things you say with your chest are wrong. You can pull those things down and be like, that wasn't a good look. That, was, that wasn't a good move. Not even on a business perspective, but on a human-to-human level. Because at the end of the day, we're on a spinning rock in space. One of the things that has been really interesting in the past, God, month, has been that reflection. Remember that? Remember the the, the, the pictures that we got from space a couple of weeks ago? No, no that's talk that, about that it. Came up? So there was a there was basically they, they built a, a new it was a new camera or something that that, that NASA built and basically can see into the furthest reaches of space and they showed you know our universe in comparison to some other universes and just how small and insignificant we are in in terms of that larger scope of the 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 the, the universe, right? Is it like the type and, of this is where you are, this is where everything else is kind of thing? They didn't really do that part, but this, it's it's inferred and implied, right? They're like, oh, well, look at, mm. look at this universe that is so far away that we will never see it, right? Mm. But it, it reflects back to that conversation of just like, well, how much of this matters in the ways that we that we really believe, right? Social media, making content. All of this stuff after a certain point, unless you have made such an impact, like even if you think about the biggest people on the planet right now, think about all the mega superstars and all the folks who are the most well-known 
people that you ever thought about, whatever the biggest influencer is, you take a Mr. Beast or you take somebody else who's like making millions of dollars on every YouTube MKBHD. video, they make all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. MKBHD. In about 200 years, no one will remember that. Hmm. Like, think about that in a real way. Like, in a for real, for real way. Again, if the planet is still here in 200 years and we're still a species that is on this planet, those things are going to be like wet farts that nobody's going to remember. Like, no one is going to remember any of that stuff. So that layer of ephemeralness that is connected to the work that we do, and I don't want that to be a thing where you look at all this stuff and be like, well, hell, I need to go jump into a volcano because none of this is going to matter. It actually it actually builds more um, um, consciousness towards the stuff that you put out in the world because you're like, ooh, I have a really small amount of time to really connect with humanness in a way that is more expansive, in a way that means more, in a way that, oh, my content, if I really care about it in a way, I will, I will care for it and care for my audience in a way that is different than me just throwing out stuff for the sake of throwing it out because the algorithm says to throw it out, mm-hmm. right? You can do that because that's what the way that it takes to build certain things in the, the, the multiverse that we are currently in now. But it also gives you a freedom to say like, oh, I don't need to put that thing out today because in the grand scheme, we're on a floating rock in the middle of space in the middle of little nothingness. So it gives you perspective, which I think is a really good good and important thing, right? It's like perspective will drive a lot of the ways that you make the work that you make and perspective in terms of how you want that thing to land with other people, whether that tweet needs to go into the drafts, whether you need to just delete that thing because it doesn't really hold value or it doesn't make anything better for you or the people that it would land with. It changes a lot of the ways that you think about making content, building that stuff out, and how your public persona and brand um, touches people. Yeah, man. I appreciate you sharing those things. Cause I try to really think about the tweets that I put out before I put them out. And I think that any, anything that would be considered somewhat of a frustration, I'll take mm-hmm. whatever that is. And I'll probably turn it into like an audio piece of content because I think that would be, um, we'll have more context to it. Right. Rather than me mm-hmm. just putting, you know, the particular tweet out. But I think, um, you, you, um, you kind of let in right into the personal branding, uh, stuff. So for those who are getting into, you know, this space and you want to give them, you know, some pointers on personal branding, what would you tell them like a one-on-one on what to look out for, what to set up for on a personal branding front? You're always trying to build so that people can connect with you as a human being and not necessarily just the content that you make or the things that you, you put out into the world. Because again, people are, 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 are they're rocking with you and the, and the stuff that comes along with you is tertiary. So, like, our show isn't the biggest show on the planet, but the work that I've been able to do has given me space to work in spaces that folks who are bigger than I am haven't, right? And I think that that's a a thing of, like, your personal brand is a reflection of you and the energy you put out of the world. So make sure that energy is exactly what you are able to do with the time and space that you have on the planet. I would say if you want to be a salty bastard and that's that's your MO, the space loves that right now. Does that do anything for your heart, mind, and soul? Probably not, because you have to keep that up for the rest of the time that you want to be a creator. So that's the thing you have to pay attention to. Um, branding is a very important thing. You should definitely get yourself a, a reasonable <clears throat> um, 
a, a, a graphic designer to get that stuff done. We had a rebrand a couple years ago and that changed the, the face of what I'm able to do from a, from a um, professional perspective. <clears throat> it made, it made the brand look and feel more complete um, in a way that was very, very, very helpful in terms of building that out into a real way. Collaborating with people is really important in terms of personal brand stuff. You have to leverage that out, but you have to do it in a, in a, in a way that isn't, um, uh, where you are bringing value to the other people that are in the space alongside you. It shouldn't just be a take. It should be a give and take. Um, that is very, very important. Um, and you should be honest about that stuff too, to be like, look, people, people front on the, or people use the idea of clout chasing as a negative thing. It is a negative thing. If you don't bring value to other people, if you're just glomming on to people for the sake of glomming on, then that's, that's bad. But cloud chasing is a thing that everyone is doing. You're doing it in various ways. People talk about clickbait articles all the time. That's the reason why SEO works. All of it is clickbait. <laughs> That's SEO. SEO is clickbait. Sure. So, like, you have to pay attention to that stuff really early, too, to understand that, like, the way we phrase things, even in negative terms, can be negative or it can be positive. You just have to really understand the, the, the angle that you want to touch and actually be influential in and how that actually works. So I think it's a part of the conversation that people don't want to dig into because we all kind of trend on the negative or people trend to the negative, but there are absolutely ways you can flip that into a positive and make that stuff better in that way. And the other part of the personal brand stuff is like, be consistent across all the platforms that you're in, like visually, aesthetically, tonally, all those things are need to be consistent for you to really nail that part. Cause you never know where people are going to come into the funnel to see your stuff. And that funnel changes based on age. It changes on the demographics that you want to talk to. It changes on the market you want to influence. It changes upon the products that you put out. But your tone can be consistent based upon where you are and where you're at with some inflections and changes across the, the parts that you want to actually talk to. So that's mm -hmm. something that you can, you can really think about in a broader sense. But when you have to build that map out and say, okay, on Twitter, our tone is here. On LinkedIn, our tone is here. On, you know, even between my personal Twitter account and the show uh, account, it's different, right? Mine is is more fun-loving and, 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 you know, I talk about everything under the sun. But on the show one, I talk mostly about the stuff that you'll see on the show. I don't really do a lot of personal stuff on the show, on the show account because it doesn't do anything for that part of the branding. If someone comes to it, they're like, why is this dude talking about the, the show that he watched? Because it's nameless and it's faceless on that brand. The show is there, but I am not. I am the person running it because all the stuff that I do, I'm, I'm running all of it by myself. People think I have a team of people and it's just me. But yeah, I have a lot of stuff done. It's hard, Andrew. I'm crying every day. <laughs> you know? um, it's, it's hard. It's, you know, I, have, I have a lot of co-travelers in, in, in the room today. You're a co-traveler. Pope is, is a co-traveler in, in some of the work that I get a chance to do. Paris is in there. Big Train, I see him. He helped me with my YouTube stuff from, some years ago. We still got to do some collaborative stuff. I saw, um, you know, um, Marvin Bing was in here a little while ago. Like, there's lots of co-travelers. Like, Pope. Pope is one of the best people on the planet. Like he helped me with the designs for our controllers that we did for, for spawnies. Like you need people who are smarter than you sometimes to be the, the, the conduits to get things done. Um, and when you find people who are willing and believe in you and believe in your ethos and believe in your message and your mission, you sometimes you just get lucky and you meet really brilliant, amazing people who understand that and want to help you. Um, mm -hmm. So I think that's, that's a lot of the personal branding stuff for, for what I'm thinking about.
That's awesome. So for, for lead generation for your stuff today, because you've produced some shows, you do stuff behind the scene that you don't necessarily talk about um, yeah. from what I've noticed. So so what's what's that work like and, and how are you generating the leads? Is it back to the bridge thing that we talked about earlier or something else? Um, it's a little bit of it's a little bit of a couple different things during the, the beginnings of the pandemic. One of the things I was worried about was how do you stay relevant? And I started to produce other people's Twitch shows and, 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 and remotely promote, uh, produce their stuff. So like I was working a lot in the nonprofit space. Um, and at that, at that time, a lot of them were like, well, we don't have conventions and we can't get people to our stuff. How do we get people in front of what we're trying to do? And I was like, I'd reach out to some of them um, and say, Hey, I love your, uh, what you're doing. I have a knowledge base here in producing shows and producing streams. Can we work together? Right. Um, and I wound up working with this company out in New York called the Soze foundation. Um, and we did a couple of different shows. We did, um, one that was called mothers of the movement. So we had on the Ma we had a uh, Trayvon Martin's mother. We had Tamir Rice's mother. Um, we had Beyonce's mom on the show. Um, and I produced that show that was all about, you know, people who had lost their, their children to, uh, state violence. I produced that show from my basement studio in Portland, and they were people who were in uh, San Francisco, LA, Japan, uh, Houston, all of that stuff. And I produced that show remotely with that with that team, and it was brilliant and fantastic. And we've done a couple of those shows. We're we're trying to do a show uh, very very soon that we want to debut on Twitch. That's all going to be about um, how do black folks get into the weed business, and how do we talk about the decriminalization of, of, of marijuana and cannabis and how do, how do we wind up getting into the business spaces there? I'm, I'm pitching that show to Twitch very, very soon, right? Um, there's always ways that you can use skills that you have built and tools in your toolbox to help other people or to find ways that you can use that for financial growth. Like there are ways you can do that stuff. I was getting pretty good money when a lot of people were talking about there's nobody talking to black people in, in the streaming space. And I was like, I'm not having a problem because I know how to market myself. It's a big part of the, the conversation about branding. It's a big part of the conversation about building a personal brand. You have to know how to talk about yourself. You have to know how to, you have to know what value you bring. And that value again changes based on the, on the opportunity for those. It was like, I have the nuts and bolts strategies of how to put on a show for other stuff. It's like, I am a host for all this stuff is like I can talk about video games and talk about the, the Venn diagram of, you know, video games and blackness and, and diversity and inclusion. Like I fit a lot of different boxes, but I've learned how to market each one of those separately. And some of them cross over and some of them don't. So you have to learn how to, to market yourself in, in those ways. And that's how you kind of, you, you beat the game and you wind up not having to worry about, Oh, is the platform going to change what I need to do? Oh, there's hate raids to steer. And it's killing my it's killing my dough and my vibe. Like mm. there's there's always going to be a space for you to get in. You just have to know how to market yourself in those ways. So when it comes to rates, which wasn't even part of my um my question stuff, but let's go with it. Is it something that you say, hey, let me talk to my friends and see what a base rate is, and then move up from there based on what I created? Like, what's the rate conversation like? Uh, you know, don't necessarily have to give any numbers, but. But if I were to give numbers, I did uh, a video recently, a voiceover, and, you know, it was over a hundred bucks for like two minutes. Yeah. So, yep, yep, yep. I mean, 
It depends on, you it know, ranges. what the situation is. It ranges for sure. Yeah. So what are you thinking about when it comes to the rate stuff? Rates are really interesting because I had a, a really good conversation. I was hosting um, a show with Cloud9 um, around mental health. It was called, um, I forgot what it was called. Presence of Mind is what it was called. And the initial kind of bargaining, I, had, I, I have a number in my head that I think is my baseline. Like, I don't get out of, the, I don't get out of bed for less than this amount of money, right? Mm-hmm. That amount of money was formulated through conversations that did include who did I talk to that were peers who I felt like were in the same kind of group, you know, numbers wise from an analytics number. Oh, you have this amount of followers. You do this kind of work that's similar to what I do. I reach out to those folks and be like, yo, how much are you getting for a, a gig like this? You get some good knowledge there. That goes alongside the number that you have in your mind for how much stuff you've done and what you've seen other people do. You have to have conversations with your peers I am a person that if you ask me, I'll tell you what, what I got for a thing. It doesn't mean you may get the same thing because our, our experiences might be different, but you should know, right? Okay. So, so what I, did you I, get I What did you get for the last thing, if you don't mind sharing? For the last, last thing that I got? Yeah, I don't know which, what the last which, thing which was. One? I just framed it. The, it, the very it, last thing. So the last thing that I did that was a deal that I signed a contract for, it was like 30 grand. Okay. And that was for like a, a series of videos and stuff, right? But that's a thing that over multiple years, multiple years of understanding my value, multiple years of um, learning what to pitch and what not to pitch, and also being able to bring all that stuff together, not only in a deck that you give to people, but like here's the value that you, you get based on the, the space. Like you can pitch yourself for various stuff. That one and thank you for sharing like, that, by the way. Appreciate that. Yeah, I mean, there's money out here. Like, I don't want people to feel like there's no money out here, right? There's dough. But, like, for instance, that 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 payment for that job that is still ongoing is going to be gone in the next couple of months because I'm putting on an award show. The award show last year cost me probably twice that, right? And that was all coming out of finance. That was coming out of family money. You know, money that the that the, the, the business has built, but also sponsored money, right? Sponsors came in and helped, you know, uh, uh, kind of chip in to get that thing done. But the conversation I had with the, the folks at Cloud9 was, and this is the reason why I'm telling the story, is I spoke to some of my castmates who were co-hosts. They were bigger than I am in terms of their visibility and their, and their scope and their influence, right? They have millions of followers. I have almost 24,000 at this point. Not that much. Right. I had a conversation with one of the hosts and I was like, Hey, I don't know what to ask for. I know what they're trying to charge me, but I don't know what to ask for. Uh, How much are you making? They told me how much they were making the next day. When I had a conversation with the folks who were trying to bill me or, or pitch me the thing, here's the way the conversation went. I said, Hey everybody, what I would really like to talk about in terms of our conversation today is equity. Equity is a really important thing to me. I want to make sure that the folks that I'm working with, we are getting the same amount of pay because we're doing the same amount of work. The person on the other end of that phone got real quiet. They said, I'll get back to you. Two weeks later, I got exactly what they were getting paid. You have to know how to talk yourself into money. You have to know how to talk to yourself. You have to know about your brand. You have to know about your worth. 
There's no reason why, especially if you're a person of color, you know that the space is looking for you. There's no reason why you can't get a bag out here. You just have to know how to talk about it to people. And you have to be honest and you have to be forthright about what you're trying to do. And you can't waver. I would much rather, I, I would have walked off that gig and been like, oh, you don't want to pay me what they're getting paid? I'll, I'm dipping. I'm out. Mm. You have to make your floor. Whatever your floor is going to be, you have to stick to it. And you have to tell people off jump, this is my floor. If you don't want to work with me, that's totally fine. I will find another gig. But this is my yeah, floor think, and I'm not moving from it. Yeah, I think uh, we're, we're coming down to, to the last couple of minutes. Um, but I definitely want to share this. I, I think I'm too. still... So if you yeah, G-Media, G-Media, am I all right? Do I got time? Are we looking? I know we're down to like the last. No, it's all oh, good. I mean, I love the conversation. It's very just straight up real talk. So do your thing. Cool. Cool, cool. I appreciate that, man. All right. Uh, thank you, Khalif. I appreciate you as well. So, so yeah, so I think it's one of the things I'm still learning to be comfortable with in terms of giving a number, you know, for a particular mm-hmm. thing, whether that's, you know, uh, voice opportunities, speaking opportunities, and things of that nature. And I think that conversation, I haven't really had it with a lot of individuals, and I definitely uh, am considering having it more with you, you know, based on some of the information you shared today, which is new to me in terms of, like, you know, the, the stats and the numbers that you gave um, yep. by way of the projects. And as you mentioned, it it does depend on the project to get the certain amount of, of um, you know, bags, if you will, uh, for those things. Sure. So I appreciate you sharing that. And I think there's another part of that too, where I think, especially if you're working in a space in which one of the hard parts about knowing your worth is that sometimes your audience will betray you because of it. And what I mean by that is there's a lot of times when you'll do a brand activation or you'll do an ask or a call to action and and you, you need to involve your audience, right? And your audience will say, sometimes, oh, well, you just got a big bag. Why am I going to support you on this next thing? That's that's actually the worst thing that is a part of being a content creator in these times now is that you wind up having so much to do to continue to get the momentum to move forward in the direction that you need. But you need your audiences to chip in and, and either help purchase a thing or share links or, or some of that stuff. Our us me audience is very, very quiet when it comes to that conversation. Um, in terms of, you know, uh, working and the kind of buying into brand activations. Because we have a pretty, you know, our, our audience is a little bit older. Like, our, our audience has kids and, and, and it's all that kind of stuff. We don't play in the young, young, super young um, audience spaces that have a lot of disposable parent money, right? Like, our, our, our folks who are listening to our show got to pay rent, <laughs> got to pay mortgages and all that kind right. of stuff. So I, I have a bigger understanding of, like, why it's harder sometimes to convert. So sometimes a lot of people won't tell their wins because they're worried that their audiences will look at them as like, Oh no, you're doing all right. Mm. You're doing, you're doing well enough that you don't need my money or my support in that way. When to be honest, it actually, even if you chip in a little bit, it helps to build the affinity in a way so that when you go to brands later, you don't need your audience to chip in as much because you've gotten to a spot big enough that they see the worth of your, of your audience to say that we'll get in ahead of that and get you the money that you need to help build the thing that you want to build. So the Spawnies is like that. Spawnies last year, we did, a, we did our first award show all about underrepresented developers and showcasing them. It was an hour-long show. 
We did on the front page of Twitch. We had almost 400,000 views during that first show. And it was an unknown pro- It was an unknown quantity. Like, no one knew what it was going to be. I didn't even know it was going to do that well in terms of viewership numbers for, for a first-time show. But now, I had some co-travelers who came in. Lenovo came in and, and spent some money. Alana Pierce came in and, and, and supported as a, as a content creator and a person who's, who's fam. Um, a, a company called Coil came in and did some great work with us. He was also trying to find good ways to get content creators to, to be able to make money in various ways. I had some relationships with some of those folks, but they had no idea what they were spending their money on. But now I have numbers that I can go along with that. I have impressions that go along with that show. I have a deck that I built later on that was like, here is what our chat said. We had an hour plus long show and I didn't have to mod one comment. My mods didn't have to moderate one comment for an hour long show that showcased nothing but brown people about video games on the front page of Twitch. That is so rare. That is rare. <laughs> to, to see happen alongside a video game show, right? And now we're doing year two, right? So now I get to go and, and poke at other people to be like, here's what we did. You might want to be a part of this good energy. This is a great space for you to showcase your brand. This is a great place for you to talk about what you want to do in the space. So it winds up being a thing where you circle all of that back to like, again, what is the brand affinity that you're trying to build? What is the space that you occupy? How do you ask for money in a way that you understand your, your, your value and how to pitch yourself across various degrees of stuff? And you have to think outside the box a little bit because the, the gaming space is really saturated. You know, the, the thing that we do really well is a conversation around culture and gaming. There's a lot of, there's a lot of people who are trying to do that work and they're doing it okay. I think we're still at the forefront for a lot of that stuff with the quality that we bring, plus the connection that I've built over the, the years in the space. So, like, I am running at a different clip than some other folks who are just starting to do this for the first time. But it's all it's all a part of that learning process of, like, what is your elevator pitch? How do you convey that stuff back out to people? And then and what does that work mean for not only for you, but for the company, right? Mm. No, I love that. Um, any questions, uh, Jamie, account? Any thoughts? If you guys uh, want to just ask maybe one or two questions. Uh, yeah, there's folks in the audience too. I don't know if you want to bring up people to ask questions there too. I would love that. Yeah, if, if they are. Uh, I just like the, uh, I just love the uh, simple, straightforward advice. You know, I think people underestimate sometimes their success just is reliant on them being themselves, that true personality. I think sometimes even I'm guilty for this on many other channels that I built of like you act a specific way, but when you go to your core personality, sometimes, and and like you said, people just come for that. And it really doesn't matter what uh, content you're making. People come for you. Uh, They really come for your personality, for your flair. And on the subject of SEO, on the subject of, um, I really love how you said, you know, I'm upset with these things, but I'm not like mad at them. So like you said, you know, you're moving mountains and you see your worth. And I think that's really important, you know, um, so it's very admirable. And thank you for sharing the wisdom. Yeah. And I, th- I think, and thank you for, 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 for the love. I think one of the things we've seen that happen now too, especially with, again, the internet trending towards negativity and toxicity, right? Where a lot of people have built personal brands around being jerks and around being loud and mad and, and angry and, 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 and talking down to people. And right now, it's the wave. People are making crazy money right now for being those kinds of people, 
right? You see it in the, in the YouTube space, you see it in the gaming space, a lot. There's been so much beef happening, you know, what was this, Andrew Tate and Aiden Ross thing that happened a couple, a couple mm-hmm. weeks ago. Nothing but toxicity and nonsense within that conversation, but you know what? It generated millions and millions of views, and companies will come in not caring about the actual energy that that brings to the world, but they see a particular space in which they can leverage it and also build you know, brand connectivity to it and say, I don't mind if this is a gross thing to get into. I have enough eyes here that it makes it worth it. And if you choose to not do that work, you have to also understand that your, 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 your ceiling is going to be lower. You have to know that going in. If you are mm-hmm. doing positive stuff in this world right now, your ceiling is going to be lower unless you get found out by Oprah or somebody else who is also in a, in a space that is pushing positivity, but, but it's also, in a space that is much bigger than you in so much as now we even look down on some of the layers of positivity by calling it toxic. Yes. I understand the meanings of it. I understand how it works, <laughs> but like even in that space, we, we, we even kind of squash down the ability to talk about happiness and, and positivity in a way that actually is even been potentially beneficial to some people because we want to, we want to make sure that we're, 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 we're not trending towards, you know, moving people out of spaces that feel uncomfortable. So is, there's a lot of those conversations there to, to dig into that stuff, but I think you, you have to just continue to push, um, work with people who you feel are going to give you the benefit of understanding who you are and, and what your work is. And you gotta, you gotta understand that the people who are hating on you, or if they are hating on you either in public or in private, most people who are mad at you, one, see that you're being successful at what you're doing, two, wish that they could be in the space that you're in, and three, are making up narratives about who you are without ever knowing who you actually are. Mm. That's the hardest part. That's the part that, that, that messes with you. Because people will make up narratives about you that are weird, bizarro, multiverse versions of who you are as an actual human being and don't actually track to that because the space doesn't allow people to talk to each other one-on-one as human beings, right? I keep my DMs open because I tell people, if I have beef, my DMs are open. You can hit me up. I'm not going to talk to you in public spaces about the thing that you feel I did wrong or any of that stuff because that just gives a space for other people to jump in and add their flavor to a conversation that if you really care about me and the work that we're doing, then you will be able to get at me in a way that is private and, 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 and personal and intimate. I'm okay with that. I'm an adult. I can, I can handle the criticism, but I want that criticism to come to me in a way that I can actually be actionable about it. And if you put it out on the timeline, it's not actionable anymore. People are just waiting to see the fight. That's not worth it. Right. For sure. Yep. For sure. You mentioned yep. something, uh, uh, I think, earlier today about empathy fatigue. Ooh. Empathy fatigue. I thought that was very interesting. And then the last thing I want to touch on before we begin wrapping up is uh, Black Panther Wakanda Forever trailer, which was absolutely amazing. If you haven't yet, check oh, that man. out. Check that out. Yeah, so you mentioned empathy <laughs> fatigue. I definitely want to hear your thoughts on that. What were you thinking when you crafted that particular tweet? And um, um, yeah, share, share with us. I'm just, you know, I, I, as a person who has worked in both diversity and inclusion, diversity, equity, and inclusion spaces across multiple companies, or as a, as a just human being who is trying to be better and more, more helpful and more thoughtful and humble and active, um, but trying to feel and, and, and actually be an ally as a person who is just saying a thing to be performative, it's hard. To, to, mm. to have all of that energy everywhere. Like, 
you know, the blessing and the curse of, of progressive spaces is that we, we're all moving towards a really good space where we're trying to fight down what we, we, we think is air cold evil or, you know, things that are, that actually are terrible within the world, you know, misogyny, uh, uh, um, um, anti-transness, you know, homophobia, all of those things. We're all fighting for the good cause, right? But the fact that the intersectional levels of it cause us to go all through this one very narrow door, we're all moving towards getting into a space where we can affect the world in the ways that we want, but we want to shoot each other in the back with arrows because we all have our own individual issues that we're trying to get to the forefront. Mm. And that trying to get to the forefront layer winds up making it hard because you only have but so much empathy to give to every particular thing. There was a time when I was growing up where we didn't have a visibility day for every particular issue that happens on the planet. Now every day there's a new there's a new visibility day. It's great to have that because you need that visibility within that space to be able to say, here is a thing that you potentially could uh, understand better. Here's a, here's a conversation in which you could be a part of so that you can actually be an ally to, to, to a lot of the causes that we wind up seeing. The problem is we are also in a new space in which social media is here, in which conversations are growing, in which all of the um, ills of the world are thrown at you at a million times a second now, right? Like, you are now inundated with all of these asks of your emotional state to care about everything all the time with the same amount of energy and the same amount of fervor as, you know, civil rights gets the same thing as something that might be like, not as, not as wild. Right. Right. It absolutely, actually, absolutely has an effect on the people who are, who are there. And you, again, you want to be, Uh, cognizant of it and you want to also feel like you are being helpful but if you don't pay attention to everything people will also classify you as not caring you know you know what i'm saying like if you're not giving the Mm -hmm. same energy to police brutality as you're giving to a thing that, that that you also care about or a thing that actually also affects you and you're not giving them equal weight in that moment publicly it then becomes a problem because then someone in that group can be like, well, you don't really care about my issue. Right. Mm, right. Right. And right. that part is hard. That part is hard. It's not. And again, no one is at fault. It's just a, it's just a one. It's just a space that we wind up occupying currently because of the way that we deal with interactivity, social media, and the ways that we think that we care in the ways that people ask that you care, as opposed to what actually gets done. That is, that is actionable and helpful. Because I think a lot of the space currently is very, very performative. If you are saying a thing, that means that you are in the good space. If you're not saying a thing, that means you are not an ally. And I think that that's, that's a messed up part of it, the, the equation currently. Because yeah. I would much yeah, rather, I, would, I, I want you to do as bro. much work on the back end as much as you say on the front end. Because if you're doing all the stuff on the front end, that's great. But is it actually giving people space to, are you actually like making the situation better? And right. I think a lot of times the answer is no. A lot of times just saying the thing is, is has been equated to actually doing the work and it's not. So my hope is that right. people you're just saying the, the thing for performative. Yeah. yeah, it's 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 an it's a it's a visual allyship layer, right? That is like, oh, if mm-hmm. you said this thing, I know you're in my camp, so I can rock with you. But if you don't say a thing, then I gotta kinda side eye you because you didn't say the thing publicly alongside me. 
And I think, mm. I think to a certain extent, some of that ideology is wrong. And I want people to kind of think about that a little bit. That's the reason why I was having the conversation about empathy fatigue, because I think a lot of people are currently in a state where they want to care as much as every, as they can about everything. And you just don't have enough mental headspace to do that in a, in a global yeah. pandemic where misogyny is rearing its head every day, racism is rearing its head every day. We got kids getting shot in schools every, you know, every couple months. Like, there's a lot of things to care about, and there's a lot of energy to go around about things that, that are that are bad in the world. But the expectation that you should care about each one in equal measure is just a thing that's going to break people, and people just don't want to say that out loud. So that's the thing I'm, I'm worried about. That's the thing I'm, I'm I'm worried about. I want people to, to to care as much as I care about this stuff, and I want them to feel like they can. But we're also humans. Like you have to equate humanness to, to to all of this. And I think a lot of times in the space that we occupy, we don't think about the human toll on all of this for everyone. For sure, we just expect people for to be sure. good, and that's that's not the way it works. That's not the way it works. So how do you decompress? You know, how do you relax? You know, is it the movie stuff? Is it is it what? What's your thing? I'm looking into buying some kit. No, I'm just um. <laughs> you how much can you put in? Um, uh, I mean, it's it's a little bit of it's a little bit of everything. Like I'm I'm lucky to to be in a in a household where I can speak to to to, to my wife, and we have really good conversations about the the world. Like I'm I'm blessed in that way. Um, I'm lucky enough to have good friends, like folks folks in the room, like you in Paris, and and, and some of the other folks who are in here. Gonna be able to bounce things off of when I'm feeling down about my life or the the rest of the stuff. Um, uh, and, and again, the games is my is my is my go to place. Like games has always been there for me. It's never not been there for me. I've had it since I was four. I'm, I'll be forty four in a couple of weeks. So like, you know, this the, the I, I try to surround myself with good people. I try to surround myself with good ideas, and I try to make sure that I'm. I'm taking care of that internal audit that I feel like a lot of people sometimes don't do. And you have to check in with yourself a lot, especially now these days. You have to check in and be like, well, where am I at? How do I feel? Can I express that feeling in a way that is, that is comprehensive? And if I don't know what I'm feeling, can I take time to just wait and, and sit with that for a minute? It's okay to not know things. It's okay to not know exactly how you feel, in my opinion, because we're all mm-hmm. learning in real time. We're constantly learning about ourselves in real time. We're always learning about who we are, um, hopefully. Um, and I think that's that's also important. Take some time to think about who you are. Take some time to think about the, the circles of influence you have and, and how you can um, better convey that to people, not only to the outside world, but, but to yourself as well. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So I, I checked out this trailer, man, this Black Panther Wakanda Forever trailer. Yep. And man... Um, Absolutely amazing in every way, man. Um, what were your thoughts on it when you saw it? Checked it out. I'm happy. I'm happy. It's it's it's, it's coming out. I'm happy they they've gotten around the corner to to getting that game out. I mean, to getting that movie out. Sorry, because they talked about a game from EA, so that was in the back of my mind. Um, it makes me sad because Chadwick isn't in it, of course. You know, but the thing the thing I like about Black Panther, because I'll be honest, I was not a actual fan of the first movie as much as people were. Um, cause I'm very, I'm hard on media. I, have, I, I see things, I, I'm gripey when it comes to media stuff. So people, people get mad at me for saying that it's not the best movie of all time. But the thing that I appreciated about it was the fact that for a very fleeting moment, it was a time in which 
black people came together again in a way that I've not seen happen in a very, very long time. Like, yes, there are times that happened, but in, in a time that wasn't around black pain, which was dope. Mm. It was so beautiful to see so many of us come together and 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 dress up and 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 talk about culture and talk about the way that this piece of art connected to us and and how that cultural moment stuck with me of seeing everyone from small kids to to to, to older adults like go embrace this film because it was a beautiful showing of us in a fictional way but there were some analogs to what our you know, our history was back, back in, in, in Africa. Right. So it was like, that's the thing that I'm the most excited about is having that secondary layer of cultural moment for our people to be able to say, look, this, this beauty within within our spaces, we are not just slaves and all the other parts of the way that media likes to portray us over the, the God knows how, how, how long we've been on the planet. It's a space in which we get to own a media sliver that is positive around who we are and, and, and parts of our, you know, collective history and, 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 you know, analogs that come across to that stuff. So that's the thing I'm actually more excited about is like less the movie and what's going to be in there. Cause it's a Marvel movie and Marvel just want to get your money. But I think the cultural layer of it is something that you can't overlook and is important and is beautiful. And hopefully we get a chance to, 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 to do that again uh, once the movie drops. So, no, I appreciate that. So, so who's actually winning the the cooking contest right now between you and and our brother Paris? Who's winning right now? I've conceded uh, the cooking to Paris uh, because I'm a humble man and I, I want to see him grow in, in his work. So I, I will concede to him uh, that he that he is the better cook. Even though the funny thing is, neither one of us has had each other's actual cooking yet. Uh, so, so, so we're we're trying to find a way to make that happen. Um, in an actual way, uh, I know I'm a better cook, but I, but I, but I will concede it to him because he's older. You got to look out for your elders in that way. Um, so, that's interesting. So, you know, okay, that's the way you got to you 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 look. You got to look out for the older people in your life, man. You know, that's the way it works. That's interesting. So, so when it comes to spawn on me, right? <laughs> I'll let that ride. So, when it comes to, to spawn on me, it is a, it is a audio show. It is a video show. What else is it and what can we expect uh, from you in the next uh, couple of weeks? Because this conversation with Twitter Spaces lasts about 30 days and it gets purged. I will try to preserve it so we, we yeah. still have it because you shared so much dope uh, knowledge, information, wisdom from your experiences. So 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 what else are you doing and what can we look forward to in the next uh, 30 plus days? Uh, we're, we're doing a couple of dope shows. We're going to be pulling in uh, Mary Kish and, and, and Ray Apollo from Twitch to talk about TwitchCon in the next couple of weeks. I'm going to be heading over to Evo next week in Vegas to, 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 to go and get my behind beat in the fight, the biggest fighting game tournament in the world. Uh, I'll be doing some coverage uh, there and interviewing a whole bunch of folks in the FTC. Uh, but right now the, the, there's two big projects that are happening for Spawn on Me in that respect. One is we're, we're ramping up for the Spawnies 2023. Uh, so in January of next year, late January, you'll, you'll see our second version of, uh, of our show. Uh, with some surprises to, to, to share and some collaborative efforts that we'll be talking about very, very soon once the legal papers get signed. Um, and the, the second project that I, that I actually need help with, um, and, and if you are a developer in Unreal Engine, uh, I want to talk to you, um, is I want to see what our show could look like from a 
virtual production standpoint. Like I think Spawn on Me 3.0 would be something in which, you know, you see me in a virtual set somewhere, uh, but it looks like, you know, our, our fictional land of Chicago, which is a mashup of Brooklyn and Chicago where the show was started, right? So you you, you come in from the sky and you, you see me sitting on a virtual stoop. It looks like I'm in on a New York City block and I'm talking to you like Mr. Rogers, but it's about the video game world. And then we kind of transfer that into, you know, one of our segments, which is called What's the 411, which was our news segment. So we move into a news studio. And then from there, we, we get transported into a space that is uh, around what we've been playing. So we're in a, a virtual arcade and I'm hanging out there. And then the last segment, which is our who's coming to the cookout segment, which is like something that something good that happened in the, in the world of gaming or something negative that we want to talk about. You know, we're in this big virtual park where you're hanging out with me there, right? Like, how do we make a virtual land that the show can occupy to change what we think about in the, the, the podcasting space because no one has really done it the only person who's done something like that so far has been code miko mm-hmm. um and code miko stuff is fantastic but i think there's mm-hmm. either another layer there that's missed that we could potentially you know in- interject with and intersect with so that's the idea this is a matter of now how do we build that thing out and that's going to cost time money and energy but uh, it's the thing that i'm trying to figure out in the next couple of the next year or so is how do we get to that level of fidelity and, and, and cool stuff for the, for the show so that's what I'm working on those all the things that's pretty cool that's pretty cool yeah man so I just uh, definitely wish out a couple of people <laughs> right exactly exactly yeah definitely want to say what's up to a couple of people in here so I see Erica uh, she, she's amazing as, as a host I see my brother in here what's going on bro I see you I see a lot of good people Paris is in here appreciate you coming through and everyone Shout else I see Turner, Turner. Uh-huh. I see Fatal Arctic Steven Arctic, I, see, I, I see a lot of dope people yeah yeah and the Swift, other thing too that's Swift interesting about for sure for sure so so Lil Hippo is an NFT project if you're a host of an NFT show um, maybe you might want to consider them as a guest uh, they were recently featured on LA Weekly so if you do a Google search for Lil Hippo and LA Weekly. You'll see that article. It's a it's a very That's very dope. good piece that they did on that project. So shout outs to them for sure. Uh, but yeah, any final thoughts, man? Before we close, before we close. Again, thank you and the rest of the team for having me. Again, I, I love being able to talk about my experiences. I think one of the conversations that we 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 have talked about over the years and, and other folks in this, in this creation space is like. We live in a world where people like to hoard information, and I am not for that. I, 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 there, there's so many different ways that we can make the spaces better, and, and, and people have real legitimate questions about like how to get in and how they can be effective in all of these spaces. And a lot of times, the things that got me from there to here was someone literally holding my hand and walking me through mm-hmm. the process or talking to me about it. And I think that that's the thing that we can continue to do for each other, especially in, in spaces where, where, where underrepresented folks are are, are, are gathering and trying to figure that stuff out. So giving me the chance to to share about the work that I've been able to do and, and hopefully the impact that it has had in the gaming space and hopefully around the world has been um, amazing and, and, and brilliant. So so thank you very much for, for giving me the time to talk about it today.